Let's pray as we begin. Holy Spirit, we ask that you meet us here in your word. We ask that you be speaking to us and give us ears to hear you and hearts to obey you. That you set our minds on the things that you are speaking to us. We ask this to the glory of your name. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles. Uh, we'll be jumping a little bit. Um, today begins our vision series, and this series is leading up to our Vision Sunday and Vision Dinner on November 3rd, where we ask people to pledge what God is leading them to give to the church in the upcoming year so that we can live out the vision of, of our church through our ministries. Our mission statement's on the front of your bulletin. It says, we exist to glorify God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by becoming mature disciples of Jesus Christ and inviting others to join us. How we live that out, simply put, is through the ministries of our church, all of which are supported by the church's congregants. And so there's, there's primarily two purposes to Vision Sunday. The first is practical. Just from at a practical level, it's the job of the leadership team and the finance team to work together and present a budget come January so that it can be approved by the members of the church um, for the upcoming year. It's a lot easier, for the especially for the finance team, to budget if they know, if they have a good idea of what is coming in, if they can project instead of just going off the previous year's numbers because those numbers do change. And so essentially, simply put, we're asking people to estimate under, with the understanding that, that circumstances change, seasons change. Um, this is not something that uh, we police. I, you're not going to get a call from me because I'm looking at your commitment card and, you know, I'm not going to come chasing after you for it. This is the practical aspect is it helps us budget. The other side of it is formational. And so whether this is your first day visiting or whether you're a longtime member, um, there's something for you in Haggai 1 um, because it is formational. Part of being a mature disciple is honoring God with our money and possessions. And so this is an opportunity. We want you to view... This series, we want you to view Vision Sunday as an opportunity to converse with the Holy Spirit and ask God what he, how he would have you give and serve in the upcoming year. That's the question I'd invite you to ask. God, how would you have me give and serve in 2020 at Northbrook Covenant Church? And so we begin our series with the prophet Haggai. And we're calling this series, God Work Through Us, exploring a few different ways that God accomplishes his work, which is often done through the actions of God's people, whether through service or giving or what have you. And Haggai is speaking to a construction project. We in Illinois know a thing or two about construction, particularly those of we who live in the Chicago area. You may have heard that if you've lived here for a significant length of time, you may have heard the joke that there are two seasons here. Winter and, say it with me, construction. And if you've been down Willow Road or you know what I'm talking about, 
Um, there are two realities that often come with construction projects. They are often over budget, and they are often over deadline. To give you an example, construction on the Jane Byrne Interchange right now. They were cheering that some progress was made, and they opened some lanes, and then they said it's going to take three and a half years longer than we thought it would. Which is an annoyance if you commute through downtown, but what if the delay was 20 years? And further, what if it was a delay to a project that had ultimate importance, not simply just a hassle to the commute? That's the situation that Haggai is preaching to in our passage today as he calls Israel to finish something that was started 20 years before. Prophet Haggai has some significant things for us to consider in how we examine God's work and ultimately whether God's work is priority. And so if we look at the biblical story, the kingdom of Israel was split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Both were conquered by foreign powers. The northern kingdom, a couple centuries before this book. The southern kingdom, just uh, a few decades before, about 66 years before, and they're exiled. Haggai is speaking to people who have returned from exile about 20 years before. When they were allowed to return under the rule of Persia, they began to rebuild, and then the project kind of fell by the wayside. And it's thought due to the challenges of living in what is now, what is at this point an unwalled city. They're in Jerusalem. It was once a mighty fortress of a city. And once they were conquered, that changed. And so they're kind of, they're building a ruined city and they're building a ruined temple. And so the stresses of living next to hostile neighbors, the concerns about agri uh, agricultural concerns about what this year's crop is going to look like just for survival, thing, things of those nature have caused this project to delay. And at this point, about 20 years. Now, there can be a temptation to project Haggai onto our circumstances. As one writer put it, this Haggai often gets pulled out whenever there's a building campaign. That is not what we are doing today. I want us to examine the prophet's words holistically. For some of us, he might challenge us in giving, perhaps. For others, it might be our time. Or it might be spiritual practices that God has been wanting to implement in our lives. Or it could be relationships that God's been calling us to invest in. It could be any number of things. This passage calls us to consider whether there is an area God is calling our attention to that we have neglected. And so we'll look at three questions the prophet is asking that will help us examine the work of God in and around us. And the first question Haggai asks us is, what time is it? Simply put, in verses 2 and 3, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? In Israel's case, the work of God is tied up with building the temple. God is saying it is time to continue this work, to finish it, 
And it's more than just a construction project. The temple was a means of God's grace. It was central to God's work of redemption on earth. Israel is called to be a blessing to the nations, to be a priestly nation that mediated the work and the presence of God to people. That began with worship within the community, which the temple is central to. And so simply put, they cannot move forward in their mission until the temple is built. Until that happens, they are severely limited in how they can invite people to know God. Israel shows us that sometimes missing God's work or missing out on God's work, it doesn't always happen because of fact, it, it's not always because of things that we might call outward rebellion. It's not always because of the sins that cause us to gasp, so to speak. Other prophets, if you go through the prophets, they have spoken to outright injustice and abuse that has happened in the nations particularly of the most vulnerable in their society, and the poor especially. Haggai is speaking to something much more subtle. Haggai shows us that sometimes missing out on God's work, it simply looks like us saying, well, I'll get to that later. And Haggai reminds us that God's work is priority. Are we acting as if it's time for something other than what God is doing? Because Israel, in a basic sense, they get caught up in life. And that's understandable. Having come back from exile and trying to start new, that's not easy. It's, under, it's something that we're very prone to do because it's easy. There are... Details of life. As the children's message illustrated, there are rocks and sand to put into our jars. And it's not always easy to figure out the order. There are bills that need to get paid. There are groceries we need to buy. There's errands we need to run. There's family that needs to get taken care of. Whether that be aging parents, or whether you're helping with grandchildren, or whether you're taking care of children who need to be taken to school, after-school programs, sports, band, tutoring, what have you. There's no shortage of things to compete for our attention. And how we go about prioritizing God's work, it's not always going to look the same. If you are a single parent, your 24 hours do not look the same as, say, Elon Musk's. You may not have time to figure out how to launch things into space. So how do we do that when we have things that need to be taken care of? Like I said, it's going to look different for every, everyone. One thing I have had to remind myself to do and often forget to do, but still have to continue, it's something God is continually working in me, is to use my calendar. I don't know how many times I've had, I, I've, there, there are people I feel God's calling me to, to meet with or to get in touch with or, or what have you. And I might even tell them that, hey, we should get together 
for whatever, for X, Y, or Z, coffee, dinner, lunch, whatever. And it doesn't happen. And then I see them again in a few months. Hey, we should get together and repeat. Unless I pull out my calendar and say, what day works for you? You might need to pull out your calendar. God, when, when in the next week can we start on this? God, when can I, what time of day would you like me to be listening to your voice? Lord, you call me, this, a ministry keeps coming to mind. Lord, when, when can I talk to that ministry leader about how I can help? Keep thinking about a small group that's, that you think you might want to start. Lord, give me a launch date. What is God doing right now? What is he calling us to do right now? And are we noticing? The next question Haggai proposes is, are you satisfied? Haggai has some interesting words, in, uh, starting in verse 5. He says, now... This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, which each of you is while each of you is busy with your own house. It goes on to describe a drought that has been happening as the work of God. During this period, as I said, there's concerns about harvests and some agricultural difficulties, and God is telling them why. The language reflects their covenant with God, how Israel would be under the blessing and protection and provision of God if they were obedient, and if not, that they cannot expect that. Their efforts to bless themselves are leaving them wanting because their priorities are wrong. In this case, because God has withheld blessing. Now, we need to be careful about talking about blessing and thinking it's transactional. Okay, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, well, then God owes me this. That's not how it works. God gives us blessing all the time, and we don't deserve any of them. Everything we have is by the grace of God. Let's make that clear. This particularly gets abused for material prosperity. Let's also make this clear. Material prosperity is not guaranteed by obedience. At times, Jesus told people to give, sell everything you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. So how are we to view personal satisfaction in the Lord's work? Because obeying God does not mean an easy life. But prioritizing the work of God is the greatest hope of being satisfied and blessed because there is no greater purpose to be engaged in. One professor would put it this way. He, he, gave, um, he would mention a question that he would propose to people is, do you have satisfaction of soul? Again, I'm not talking about an easy life. It also, but it also doesn't mean that all hardship and challenge come from disobedience. However, if we find that our plans are getting continually frustrated, 
especially our plans concerning ourselves, God might be trying to get our attention. Spiritually speaking, if we find ourselves in a place of longing or a place where it feels like we don't have enough, it might be worth examining where our focus is. And that might be especially the case if we actually do have enough, but it doesn't feel like enough. For perspective, Paul says we should be content with food and clothing. Because if we're talking about being satisfied in our souls, there is no greater satisfaction than relationship with God and engagement in God's work. All the more so in the life to come when we can know God's presence in its fullness and God's blessings in their fullness. Of course, the Bible teaches us to have rhythms of work and rest. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy God's blessings or that we can't attend to the details of life. You very much should pay your bills and do groceries, and take care of your family. Haggai is asking us to consider our priorities. And if we are feeling like we are eating and yet not getting our fill, it may be an indication that our priorities are off. And we need to make God and his purposes priority. The last thing Haggai wants us to consider is what's going to happen. What's going to happen when we do prioritize God's work? The people, listen, Haggai gets one of the best turnarounds of any prophet. It says that they obeyed God's voice and Haggai's message. And construction begins some 21 days after the word of the Lord came to him. As the people respond to the Lord, the Lord is with them. It says, he says in verse 13, I am with you, declares the Lord. And it goes on to say that he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. They respond and God empowers them. If you want to be near the Lord, if you want to be close to God, if you want to be empowered by God and know God to a deeper level, it helps to be engaged in the work that God is calling you to. When we are engaged in God's work, the Lord is with us. This project that Israel is called to finish, it is so much more than construction. Ultimately, God's purposes work toward his glory. And in our world, work toward redeeming our world back to God. And that reality is made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This construction project building the temple. It is a point on the timeline of God's work of redemption. And the book ends with Haggai telling of the day of the Lord, especially if if, uh, in uh, chapter 2, at the end in verses 21 and 22, it tells of God's judgment on God's enemies, and it speaks of the overturning of royal thrones. Because ultimately, all powers and rulers of humanity will pass away, and the rule of God will remain. Whatever, God work call, whatever work God calls you to, it's not trivial. It is part of these redemptive purposes. Whether it's something as big as the temple or it's something nobody else sees but God. They are part of God's eternal purposes. 
Haggai calls us to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? Or as Pastor Jill put it a couple weeks ago when she came and preached, where is the creative movement of the Holy Spirit? I love that question. God, what are you up to right now that you want me to be a part of? We get some perspective in chapter 2. God tells Haggai, ask the governor, the priest, and the people. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Does it look, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? That's an easy way to get discouraged, is to judge what God is calling you now, to now by what he's done before. Because God will do new things. He will do new and bigger and better things. The temple, for, the sacrificial system at the temple foreshadows the work of Jesus Christ to atone for our sins all, for all time. And even Jesus said, those who follow me will do even greater things than me. Anticipating the life we live now with the Holy Spirit. We can't judge today's call by the good old days. And we all have our good old days. We all have the times we miss. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing what God has done in the past and celebrating that. There's nothing wrong with getting ideas from the past at all. But we can't use what God has done before to judge what God is doing now. Individually, we might ask, what new thing are you calling me to? In this upcoming year, it might be, well, we're going to do more of what we've been doing. Or it might be something new. As a church, if we're talking about living out the vision of our church, God has blessed us with wonderful blessings. He's given us a heart for missions that's near and dear to the heart of this church. He's given us a spirit of generosity. And the floor beneath your feet testifies to that. At the beginning of the year, we recognized some areas of, of growth that we talked about at our annual meeting. And one of those was service and relationships to our, our immediate community, particularly Northbrook. And we've seen some growth in that. We've seen some seeds planted. We've seen some fruit. In the upcoming year, we hope to see more. And so there's been some progress, but there's room to grow. And we hope that God continues the work he's doing. And I've shared with you this at announcements before, that being part of the Hunger Free Northbrook Initiative, one of the opportunities is to serve our schools, the, the, the students who are on free and reduced lunch, because the Hunger Resource Network is looking for organizations and looking for people who can, who can, make, who can shop for and pack food packs, essentially bags of groceries to help them with meals over the weekends when they're not in school. And so we need people to buy and pack food items, and we need people to deliver those items. These are things on the table. Maybe that's something that is resonating with you. Maybe you need to pull out your calendar and say, talk to Jose on such and such day. Email or call me. I'll get back to you if I'm not in the office. Whatever the case, I don't care what it is, what God is calling you to. 
Where he calls you, he will equip you. We don't do this alone. We do this hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. God will call us to new and challenging things. But be encouraged because where he calls us is where he will be with us. It's where we grow in knowing him. As we engage in God's purposes, as we ask the Holy Spirit what he's up to in our lives and in our community, and as we are called to new ways to make the love of Jesus known, as we do these things, we ourselves will know the Lord more if we follow him to those places. Let's continue worshiping our Lord.